It is so good to have you here with us celebrating in our second worship experience today on this great Father's Day. And uh, as Pastor Rodica was saying, coming back from a week or almost a week in D.C., we walked over 40 miles uh, interceding and praying. I think uh, most came back with blisters on their toes, and uh, it was uh, quite, quite an undertaking, but uh, it was definitely worthwhile. There had not been an event uh, that some, there's been somewhat of a stronghold uh, like that uh, for like 1997, I think, when Stand in the Gap, when the Promise Keepers were there. And uh, there's been a group that has been, uh, had their representative there that's been praying uh, for this generation. It was a young guy. He had since 2000, and for 10 years they've been praying, or 2009, he started 10 years, he's been praying, and they've been getting together saying, God, do it again. They, took, they got pictures of <clears throat> the stand in the gap with the promise keepers filling the mall there with about 800,000, a million people. And uh, they were like, they, and they get together and they pray, God, do it again, but do it better, do it bigger, do it better. Uh, men uh, gathering together here in, in our uh, nation's capital and praying for our leaders and praying uh, for this land and praying for the people and the families here. And uh, as I was talking to him uh, in one of our meetings that we were in private together, he was just, he was just like so ecstatic that, that uh, it was happening. He says, we, we have been pulling together. We've tried on many occasions to have something on the mall ourselves. And it's like there was like a cellophane that was just holding us back. And we could push and we could get our, our image of, you know, like when you push up against cellophane, you know, uh, saran wrap or something, you could, we could get our image, but we couldn't break through that, that, that layer, that barrier. And uh, so yesterday, and thank God, I think we ended up having 12 of us there from Christian Embassy. Uh, by the time everybody got there, some got there a lot later and, uh, and things were wrapping up, but because of travel and so forth, they were not able to get there at time when we were there earlier. But uh, it's like 12 of us there, but we witnessed a breakthrough, a breakthrough, something that has not happened in 2000. Uh, this was like 1997, the last big event like that. And uh, this was, uh, you know, it took something sharp to break through. But now that it's broke through, the masses can come through. So I feel like we were helping spearhead uh, and breakthrough. Uh, in, in, in a specific spiritual but yet physical way. And I just want to thank all of the men and their sons that took uh, the opportunity and investment to come out yesterday. Uh, I know I was going to embarrass uh, Dad. You know, Sister Karen and Brother Richard, they adopted me. You know, they were like, you know, we're going to adopt you. you we're gonna be your, I'm going to be your dad. And it's what Brother Richard said. Well, he went yesterday and that up early, rode the bus. He was out there all day. Uh, I think didn't bring a hat. Uh, someone loaned him a hat. Still got sunburned. And uh, Sister Karen said he was uh, laid out this morning. So I'm praying for a quick recovery uh, from, uh, you know, with all the surgeries and all that he had. He may have been pushed himself too much. But he told me he wanted to be there and support me and support us and support what God was doing. And I just pray the Lord would just uh, strengthen him and raise him up. And I see some of you guys that were there, and you guys made it back. You're strong today. Praise the Lord. And uh, it was so good to, uh, to, to be a part of the spearhead breaking through for the next move of God. Um, I know God's put on my heart covenant keepers, and that's something Christian Embassy, I don't know exactly how we spearhead that, but in the covenant keepers that God has placed on my heart is pulling families together. It's bringing the women and the men and the children and uh, those that are 
everybody together who is in covenant with God and having our covenant keepers go. And I can see, and I was just witnessing. I'm like, Lord, you're showing me. I, I, you know, with these relationships we were building, I'm there with the, uh, you know, the new chairman of Promise Keepers, Ken Harrison, and getting to talk with him. And then there's Dick Simmons there. He's 87 years old. And uh, had, he went and bought three apartment buildings in the 80s right there uh, at the Capitol and uh, the uh, Supreme Court. And one, he, lived, he and his wife live in. The other one is all about their studio and all that to get the, uh, the message out about prayer for, for our nation. And in the third apartment, he gives it to prayer intercessors who are like missionaries coming there to intercede during the week. And they come live there. And he's dedicated that. He's never rented it out. He's dedicated it for that for all these years. And uh, he and Pat Robertson attended school together back uh, many, many years ago. And uh, he has men for nations he's pulled together. And his goal was by the time he died, he would have 100,000 men committed to a morning time of prayer. And they would have phone conferencing and so forth. And that was his dream. Well, they've exceeded 500,000 now. They have over 500,000 men every morning praying in a certain time for our nation, for our leaders, for our military, for our families and, uh, of America. Let me tell you what, there's more going on than we imagine. There's a whole lot more going on here. We were at the uh, Capitol uh, there. We, we were meeting with uh, Bernice King and, uh, and Nick Cannon. And uh, I mean, we knew his voice. He just didn't look like, I mean, he, he just looked little and older, you know, and that didn't look like Nick that's on television, but the voice was there, and we're like, can't be the same guy, can't be the same guy, but it was, and, uh, and then Vice President Pence was supposed to be there, and last minute something came up, he had to go to, uh, the president sent a secretary representative there that came, and, and uh, we were able to pray and declare God's favor and blessings uh, and wisdom and guidance over, uh, and, and yes, that message came to us, we were able to send that back. Uh, that was a powerful time, and, and it's so amazing. The chairman uh, of the whole uh, uh, Celebration 400 anniversary, and remember, uh, I'm like, I, my eyes are playing tricks on me. I'm like, this can't be the chairman of this whole thing. It can't be the guy that was sitting with me in my office, and we were praying together uh, just about three weeks or four weeks ago, and maybe a little longer. I said, it can't be the same guy. And, uh, and, I, and he comes up, Pastor Tim, oh my goodness, it's God that brought you here. And sure enough, Pastor Joe Green and, uh, was here in my office just meeting with me uh, some time ago. And now here God has put him over that whole uh, uh, committee and that council. So it's just like God is just setting things up. I don't know for what, uh, but I know it's good because we serve a good God. And as I got up yesterday and had the opportunity, I've done some emceeing for the event, but also had uh, some speaking time as well, and uh, uh, I just said, I got to brag on God. I got to brag on my father. You know what? Uh, a lot of fathers done some things that got, got, gives a lot of negative. Uh, a lot of fathers have done some good things that gives a lot of positive, but uh, we know the enemy wants us to look at the negative, and there's some of you here today, you've experienced maybe some horrific things or some neglectful things or hurtful things from your father. And, uh, and the enemy just wants to spotlight that. He wants to spotlight that and just make you feel less than and feel uh, like that's something wrong with you because of that. Then there's others here that experience an amazing father that loved, loved you and 
has just been a good example for you. And then there's people in between. So we've got emotions from one uh, uh, part of the spectrum to the other, and I understand that. Uh, and so I'm not here to brag on earthly dads in the sense of us in a fallen state because uh, we're not the best example. But we do have the best example, and that's our Heavenly Father. And every one of us has been invited to be a part of the family. He is a, he's, he's a really, really good dad, and he wants to be a really, a really father for you, as the little kids were saying. You know, he want you, they were now fatherful, I think they said they were, once they got adopted. And God wants you to be adopted into the family. He's made a way uh, for that for each and every one of you. So I'm not here to elevate uh, the, the earthly father's good points or to uh, demonize uh, earthly father's bad points today. I'm here to brag on the best dad in the universe, and that's our heavenly father. And he is a good, good father. Hallelujah. He is a good father. And I want to talk to you today about releasing the father's blessing. He loves us so much he, is not, he was not willing and is not willing to leave us in a bad position. He wants to come into our bad position and turn it to a good position. He wants to come into our rough circumstances and turn them around so that we can have a blessed circumstances. See, this is how God set it up. This, and, and I was sharing this yesterday. I, I said, God, there's two sides to the coin. And one of those is this side. For every one of us have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. Every one of us born of Adam was born with the sin nature and we've come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So every one of us eternally separated from God destined to spend eternity in hell. Every one of us born that way. But God was not going to leave it that way. Hallelujah. God so loved you and you and you and you and me. He so loved us that he sent his only begotten son to make a way where there seemed to be no way. It seemed impossible that the requirements of sinless blood be sacrificed to pay off a sinful account. Because if all of us is born in sin, none of our blood would qualify. And the animals that were used, even though they were spotless and symbolic of sinless blood or a sinless creature, they were animals and their blood could not cleanse. They could cover, but they could not cleanse. But God had a plan that he was going to send the Lamb of God, his only begotten son, who would be born without the sin nature. See, God loves us so much, he will move around the rules. He, he has a way around the rules. He's not going to break the rules, but there's always a way. He's made a way. So Jesus came not born of Adam's seed. That's why he had to be born of a virgin, and he was born without sin. And we could be joint heirs with him, and he could be our elder brother, but he wanted to share his good father with us. He said, my daddy is so, so good. Father is so, so good. I want every one of you to have the opportunity to know him and to be his child as well. 
So he made a way, so he lived a sinless life, and his sinless blood was shed on Calvary, and that sinless blood was applied to every sinful account that will place their faith in what Jesus has done for them, so that now your sinful account would be stamped, paid in full, and you would not just have your sin covered, but you would have your sin annihilated. You would have your sin washed out. You would have your sin removed as far as the east is from the west. You would have your sin cast into the sea of forgetfulness, gone and removed from you, never to be brought up by God again. Hallelujah. Which now qualifies us if we place our faith in what Jesus has done for us and in Him as our Lord and Savior, that we can have our sins uh, uh, redeemed, we can have our sins removed, we can have our sins washed, and we can be forgiven, and we can have our names written in the Lamb's book of life, and we can have our eternity secure in Christ. As long as we stay in Christ, we have nothing to worry about because He's already paid our sin debt, and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful story. What an amazing story. But that's not the end of the story. That is not the end because God so loves us that he not only wanted to take care of our eternal state and our eternity, he wanted to help us while we're still living on this earth that is cursed, this earth that Satan through the first Adam had came in and established authority points. And God says, no, I'm not giving the earth to the devil. I'm not going to let him have it free and clear. He said, I'm going to raise up sons and daughters and I'm going to raise them up with a power that they can come against the power and the forces of hell on this earth and they can break those strongholds and they can destroy those strongholds and they can establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. They can expand my glory. Yes, my glory that will come Cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So we have another side of the coin is that in this cursed earth, this cursed time that we're in, that there is an opportunity for us to come from under the curse and to get in a curse-free zone and to begin to expand God's kingdom and be what he called a church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those strong points, those fortresses, that Satan has built on this earth are going to be kicked down and I'm going to see my kingdom expanded because of my sons and daughters. Now, in order for this to happen, yes, our sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. That side of the coin is amazingly and wonderfully taken care of. But we now have to learn how, how do we get out of the curse how do we get out from under the curse? How do we get into the curse-free zone and operate in this great power? And the Bible says it right there in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. I can't help but go on these scriptures because when I got this revelation, it gave me the purpose and the destiny of why I am still living on this earth. That's why we don't get saved and then just we're gone to heaven. 
We are saved, but we have years to live on this earth because we have a purpose. God wants us to bring the redemptive power of God to take back what the enemy has stolen, and the earth is the Lord's in the fullness therefore. It is a footstool unto him. He has given it to his sons and his daughters, and he wants us to exercise our authority, authority he has given us over all the power of the enemy, and that is to be done outside of the curse and with the blessing. So here in Galatians 3 and 13, he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Now I've shared this with you many times, but it's revelation you got to know so that you can share it with others. It will set them free. Jesus Christ, he, all he needed to do was have not sin, have sinless blood, and shed sinless blood in death, that would pay off our sinful account. That means they could have stoned him to death, and that blood would have redeemed us. That means they could have thrown him over the cliff when they tried to, and he could have crashed and, and, and his body broken open on the stones below, and that blood would have redeemed us. Even when Herod tried to kill him as a young little boy and they had to flee to Egypt, that blood could have redeemed us. I'm telling you, the devil's been trying to kill Jesus ever since he was born. He was trying to kill him because he knew the plan of God was going to undo his plan. But let me tell you what. Jesus said, nobody's going to take my life. They tried to beat him to death when they were beating him beyond recognition. Isaiah said he was not even recognizable as a person, as a man, the way they beat him and they beat him, and they beat him. They were trying to kill him, but they could not kill him because he could not die at their fifth blow. They tried to beat him on that post with a cat of nine tails, ripping the very tendons and flesh and muscle and, and skin and meat off of his rib cage and his thighs and his bones, ripping and tearing and ripping and tearing. They could not kill him on the whipping post. Yes, that blood would have redeemed us, but God had another part of the plan, which I am talking about today, and that was to get the curse off of us. He needed to get the curse off of us, and he couldn't do it any other way. He couldn't take on sin to take our curse off of us because then he would have been disqualified to be our sacrifice. So he had a loophole in the law that said a curse will come on anyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus said, I got to get to that tree. I got to get to that cross. And if I'll hang on that cross, not only will my blood wash their sins away, but because I die on that tree, I can get the curse off of them so that they can live in a curse-free zone. They can live in a power zone. They can live in a victory zone on earth and advance my kingdom here as it is in heaven. So while they were trying to kill him, the will of Jesus says, I will not die. I will not die here. And as he was dragging that tree up the hill and his body gave out, I'm telling you, God provided someone that says, I, I can carry it for you. And a soldier forces someone to carry his cross. And it wasn't necessarily that Jesus had to carry the cross to the top of the hill in order to redeem us. He had to hang on that cross. It was so important that he not die there in transit he had to hang on that tree and that's why he said no man takes my life but I lay down my life and if I have the power to lay it down I have the power to take it up again and he proved that on the third day as he did just that 
But when they nailed Him on that cross, I guarantee you they did not have to fight Him for His hands. As most of those uh, that they were crucifying, they were trying to stretch out their hand and nail it, and they would hold it in, and they would fight, and they would do everything they could to resist. But I believe that our Lamb of God laid out His hands, and He laid out the other hand to be nailed there, not because He enjoyed the pain, but because He knew His Father's desire. You remember Jesus said, I don't say what I want to say, I say what my Father wants me to say. I don't do what I want to do. I do what my Father wants me to do. Your good, good Father wanted to get the curse off of you. Your good, good Father wanted you to live in a curse-free zone. Your good, good Father wanted you to rise up in power and authority here on this earth. Yes, He wanted sinless blood to pay off your sinful account so that you could go to heaven and be reconciled for eternity with God. Yes, but He also wanted you to have the curse lifted off of you and you to be able to rise up in authority and walk in power. So Jesus went to that cross. He hung on that tree to get the curse off of you and off of me because that's what your good, good Father wanted. That is Father God's desire. He doesn't want you pressed down by the curse. He doesn't want you limited by the curse. He doesn't want the curse to dictate your steps what you can do and what you can't do. He has an anointing. He has a blessing. And he has great power that he wants to manifest in and through his people, his sons, his daughters, his temple of the Holy Ghost, that he might expand his kingdom through us. Hallelujah. So he did this to get the curse off of us. But he didn't want you to live your life in a curse-free zone just like you're in a smoke-free zone or a curse a cursing free zone, nobody's cussing around you or nobody's smoking around you. You know, you're, you're isolated from... No! He didn't want you just to live in a curse-free zone. He wants so much so, verse 14 says, that now you'd be in a position to get the blessing of Abraham on you. He wants... This is Jesus saying, I'm here to do my Father's will. I'm doing all that I'm doing everything that I can muster in my strength and ability and with the assistance of angels to do, I'm doing it to get the curse off of you and to get the blessing on you. And I'm here to tell you today that you have a good, good father and he wants the blessing. He wants his blessing on your life. He wants his blessing to mark you. He wants his blessing to empower you. He wants his blessing to guide you. He wants his blessing to pave the way before you. But you must receive the Father's blessing. Hallelujah. The blessing of Abraham that would come upon us, even the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, neat, neatly, to when you look at this word blessing, eulogia, it is, uh, uh, the word there means fine speaking. We would get our word eulogy from it. Fine speaking. So really, when he's talking about this blessing, how it is imparted and how it is transferred, it is through speech. The same God who said, let there be light. There was light, and that light continues to shine. He says, I will also impart my blessing. My blessing will come through speech. Hallelujah. I'll speak it over you. So I've identified and defined this blessing of the Father as this. It is the impartation 
of the supernatural power of God. Now, I want you to pay special attention to this definition. We'll add to it a little in just a moment, but I want you to pay special attention to it because I'm going to take the position that God has given me as your pastor or any person that you would respect their authority or leadership over you, uh, influence over you, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you before you walk out of these doors today. The impartation of the supernatural power of God into a human life by the spoken word of God over that life. Putting the blessing of God on you. Impartation. Impart Listen, I'm, I'm praying, I'm going to declare this right now in, in, in the name of Jesus. Before you leave here, you're going to have a renewed, first time renewed or reminded understanding of the impartation of the supernatural power of God into your human, this human life on this side, the cursed side of heaven, so that we can live curse-free and empowered by God, released by the spoken word of God over you. Hallelujah. Now, the reason I've identified it as this is from biblical precedent. I'm looking at the word of God. And we see he's talking about the blessing of Abraham. Galatians 3.14, he's trying to get the blessing of Abraham on us, right? Well, let's look at the blessing of Abraham. In Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, here God speaks. God says, this is what God is saying to Abraham. And this is how he's putting the blessing on Abraham. This is where it all comes from. He says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. In other words, this place of bondage, this generational curses, the place of idols, the place where I'm not supreme, I want you to step out of that, and I'm going to bring you to a land I will show you. It's a place you've got to go to by faith. I'm not going to tell you ahead of time. I'll show you. God's got a life for you. He's yet to show you. He wants to show you great and mighty things. He wants to show you things that have not entered into your mind. You have not even into your heart. Imagine the great things God has for you, for you, for you. He has greater things for you than the humdrum of life. He has greater things for you, I promise you. And he wants to show you, but you've got to go by faith. You've got to let him guide. You've got to follow him and walk by faith. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Don't let the devil say, well, this was for Abraham. I just took you to New Testament, Galatians 3, 14, where he's trying to get the blessing of Abraham on you, that Jesus hung on a cross to get the curse off of you so that he could get the blessing of Abraham on you. This same blessing he's trying to get on you. This same blessing is why Jesus said, you won't kill me at this whipping post. You will not kill me with those stones. You will not kill me by throwing me off of the side of the mountain. You will not kill me by trampling me to death. You will not kill me by trying to beat me to death with your fist. He says, I'm going to hang on a tree so I can get the curse off of them on me so that I can get this blessing on them. So this is the blessing he's talking about. You got to come up out of your country. You got to come up out of your family. You got to come up out of your father's house of images and idols and, and ungodliness. You got to leave those generational curses behind and say, No, I'm coming out of that curse and I'm coming into a land that you will show me, God. My life that you will show me. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to trust your word. Your word will guide me. Your word will direct me. Your word will lead me. And I will walk into my purpose and I will walk into my destiny and I will walk in it with power because I'm following you Lord and I'll make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great he's morning you to make your name great 
and you shall be, a, you're not just going to be blessed, but you're going to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we were there on the National Mall breaking through that cellophane of, of holdback that the enemy has been trying to hold back the people of God from, from, from breaking forth. We broke through this yesterday. Why? Because God wants all the families not of America, all the families not of the European Union, He wants all the families of the earth to receive this blessing. There's so much of the blessing of God. What a good, good Father we serve that He's got enough for everybody. He doesn't have to wrap it out. He wants it for everybody, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this was released by the speaking these words to Abraham. God actually placed his blessing, called this thing called the blessing. Again, even though this is Old Testament, we're talking New Testament, Galatians 3.14. That's the blessing that he wants on you and me. He says he, re, he put them on them with his words. And all Abraham had to do was believe it and receive it. And then walk in it. Believe it, receive it, and walk in it. He had to get up from where he was and move forward to where God was leading him. Some of you got to get up from where you are you got to get up from that route, rut, that rut that you've been in, that, that place you've been in. you got to say, wait a minute, i got to start following the Lord. Monday is not just routine, go to work or go to school or whatever. i got to follow the Lord. i got to follow the Lord Tuesday. i got to follow the Lord Wednesday. I want to walk in the steps of my Heavenly Father every day of my life so that I can walk in the blessing by faith. Hallelujah. See, passing on the blessing we see throughout the Scripture then continues the same way God started it. It continues, and, and now well, that's where I've up the, up the, uh, increased a little wording in this definition of the blessing, and it is the impartation of the supernatural power of God into a human life by the spoken word of God's delegated authority over that life. You've got to be careful what you say, and you've got to be careful whose words you listen to. You've got to be careful because even someone in an authoritative position will say, this is the end of the road for you. There is nothing else that can be done. They, they may be saying there's nothing else I know to do, but they say there's nothing else to be done. And I know I sit here looking straight in the face of a man that for 50-some days was in a position in a place that when I even took Alvin Slaughter to visit him in ICU, Alvin Slaughter, we almost had to carry him out. He said, I've never seen anyone in that condition before. I've never seen anyone look so bad before. And, and I, had to, I had to minister to Alvin. The whole time we left, I was just encouraging him. And he's like, oh, I said, Sister Diane and everyone in that prayer room there, their waiting room became the prayer room. And, uh, and uh, they're declaring, he will not die. He will live and declare the works of the Lord. And there's Brother Hal sitting there right now, walking, talking, and working every day. And I saw that with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes, okay? Let me tell you what. You got to be careful. Authoritative, I mean, they may be trying to cover themselves. Uh, they could better use their words and they say, I, there's nothing else I know to do, uh, but you just need to pray. But they'll say, that's the end. And I've, I've met with people before and they said, authority figure said, this is the end. I've got a week or two to live and get my affairs in order. And a week or two later, they're gone. I'm telling you, you got to be careful 
who you listen to and what you listen to because the curse passes the same way the blessing passes. That's why the Bible says from the tongue you can speak blessings or curses. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. So you have to be careful. So once you understand how the blessing comes, you also have to understand how the curse comes. And if you have released any curses over your children or over anyone, you need to repent of that and you need to go back to them and say, I, 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 I'm telling you what, I repent. That was wrong. Forgive me. And, and change it up and you override it with a blessing and you release the blessing of the Lord because let me tell you what, that's how it's passed on. I'll show you. Number 622. And the Lord spoke, spoke, that's speaking again, spoke to Moses saying, speaking, speak to Aaron. So now God has given instructions how to pass on the blessing. Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way that you shall bless the children of Israel. So here's how you're going to pass on this blessing. This Abrahamic blessing is going to be passed on by you speaking it, okay? So the Lord says, this is how you do it. You speak it to them. And then he actually gives them the words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. So in this text, the high priest of Israel is speaking a blessing from God to the people. And the blessing of God flows through the high priest to the people with the spoken word and they are instantly and supernaturally marked with the blessing because God said, I will bless them. God said, this is how I've set it up and when you say this over them, I will bless them. I'm here to tell you we serve a good, good father. He is, I can, I'm going to brag on him. I know some of us may not have a father we can brag on today and some of us maybe got a father we can brag too much on today. But I'm here to tell you no matter where you are in the earthly realm, we have an example right before us of our heavenly father who is a good, good father who wants you and I to walk in the blessing and the power thereof from this day forward. I'll prove it to you. If you'll study the history of the Bible, it begins with Adam and Eve. God created them, and when he created them, the first thing he did was bless them. The Bible says in Genesis 1:28, he created them, breathed the breath of life in them, and then blessed them. Hallelujah. It was the first thing on God's mind when we took our first breath is that we would be blessed by him. Our Father wants us to live, breathe, and walk and talk a blessed life. Hallelujah. And then he gave the threefold blessing to be fruitful and multiply and increase to subdue the earth and exercise dominion over the living creatures of the earth. And then in Genesis 12 and 3, we see the history continues where God blessed Abraham saying, I will bless you and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And from this day forward, that's been God's foreign policy statement towards the, the state and the people of Israel. That is his policy for the, his covenant people with Israel because he was going to bring his son through that bloodline. But also, it is the same uh, a policy statement God has for every child of God who calls on his son, Jesus Christ, to be their Lord and Savior. That we can walk the blessed life, live the blessed life, share the blessing with others, and let me tell you what, and God will bless those who bless us, and there's a curse that's opened up that the devil can come in on those who try to curse us. I'm here to tell you as a child of God, it's the safest place to be. 
be. It's the most awesome place to be, to be called a son or a daughter of the Most High God. He's a good father. He takes care of his own. Hallelujah. See, the blessing of Abraham is literally structured, the destiny of the world. And Abraham passed that blessing on to Isaac and, and, and not Ishmael. We need to know that as we uh, try to figure out the Middle East crisis and all that has taken place. The blessing God passed on in covenant for his covenant people was with Isaac and not Ishmael. And then Isaac passed it on to Jacob, and Jacob passed it on to his uh, 12 sons and grandsons. It continued to pass it on. And by studying these, we see how to pass on the blessing of God. Through the Old Testament, we see how it went from generation to generation. First, it was from speech, and uh, or, or, or let me say it this way, with uh, Abraham to Isaac, and then Isaac to Jacob, it was meaningful and appropriate touch. Meaningful and appropriate touch. When Isaac released the blessing to Jacob, if you remember the story, he drew near to him, touched his arm, kissed him, and then spoke the blessing over him. He kissed him, hugged him, and laid hands on him. Kissing and hugging and laying hands on the, 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 for the person to bestow the blessing on them is very appropriate, but it has to be meaningful and appropriate touch. Okay, it has to be meaningful and appropriate touch. So we, this day and age, you have to stick that in there because, you know, we ain't giving the devil not one open hole here. It's got to be a godly appropriate touch. Amen. So that's uh, passing on the blessing. We see it also, as we said earlier, it is spoken. And sadly to say, too many homes, there is silence when it comes to this. Silence of the blessing communicates confusion. Do you hear me? You say, well, I'm not setting curses, but let me tell you what. Your silence of the blessing creates confusion, and the enemy comes in when in confusion. God's not the author of confusion. The enemy comes in where there's confusion. Children that are left with blanks will fill in the blanks with something else. And guess what? The prince of the air is screaming in their ear to fill it in with something negative. They didn't say anything good, so they must be thinking this. They must be believing this about you. And believe you me, the enemy will give plenty of negatives to put in there. Abraham spoke his blessing. He spoke it to his son Isaac. And Isaac spoke the blessing to Jacob. And Jacob spoke the blessing to his sons and his grandsons that he passed it on to. It is spoken. And we see a distinct time when they call their children around them and they release the blessing by speaking it over them. We need to follow that same example. We need to learn to speak. We need to say, oh, well, I was thinking it. I was, no. No, speak it. Speak that favorable word. Speak that encouraging word. Speak that godly word. Speak it over them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we read where God taught Moses how to teach Aaron and his sons how to speak the blessing upon his children. God cares about his children. And he wants us to receive the blessing so much that he's recorded in the scripture that this is how you pass it on. You've got to speak it. You've got to speak it. You may say, well, I don't speak positive over my children, but at least I don't cut them down. Let me tell you what, by you not speaking positive, the enemy's filling in the blank to cut them down. They will go in my office as an adult one day and, and, and be so disturbed because they never knew your heart. 
They never, and, and the enemy filled in the blank, and they believe you hated them. They believe that you, they were an unplanned, unwanted child, that, 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 you, that they disappointed you all your life. And that's the stuff the devil fills in. You got to speak it. You say, Well, I'm a man of few words. Well, let your few words be the words of blessing. Don't give me that cop out. Don't give me, well, men don't have a whole lot of words. You better learn how to speak it. I tell you what, go to number six and read it if you have to out loud. If, you, if, you, if you're not mad enough to work it up and say it on your own, then read it straight out of the Bible. But don't excuse it. You need to speak it. Your children need to hear it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, I'm being mean here. Lord, help me on Father's Day. <laughs> it's that important. And then another way they passed it on was ascribe high value to the one being blessed. So there's meaningful touch followed by spoken words and then ascribing high value to the one being blessed. It's so essential that you ascribe that high value to them. I tell Morgan, I said, Morgan, you are my favorite, my favorite baby girl and my favorite eldest daughter. She's in the middle and the only girl, so she fits both. And I don't pick favorites over my children, plotting them against each other, but she's my favorite baby daughter and my favorite elder daughter. And I tell Caleb, he is my favorite baby son. He is the favorite baby son that I'll ever have. And I tell Townsend, he's the favorite firstborn. Praise God. And, uh, but, but I tell you what, I know what it feels like where you feel like one child is loved more than another. And, and I've told Pastor Radika since they were little tiny things, I said, what we do for one, we're doing for all of them. What we, we give a compliment to one, we're going to make sure in that same audience we give a compliment to all three of them. We're not going to let the devil do what the devil did to me and mess me up. No sirree. That curse stops. The curse stops. It went on the cross on Jesus so that the blessing could come on the Lambert household and we bless them and we encourage them and we ascribe high value to them and what God has called them to do and how God is going to use them. He do even greater, greater things that they'll just stay close to Him and follow Him, be filled with His Spirit, pray in the Spirit, walk in power. Hallelujah. And then the next thing we see is you speak of a special future for them. You've got to speak of that because God says, call upon me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you, not, you don't even know. It's not entered into your heart. It's not entered into your mind. You and you have an understanding of the great things I've got planned for you. Well, I believe my good, good father. I believe him. And if he says he's got better plan for me than I can even think, I'm not going to limit it to, to my own life. I say, God's got greater for you guys. You guys stand on our shoulders. You don't have to start from ground zero where mommy and daddy started from. You stand on our shoulders. We want you to go further than we did. We want you to do more. God's got greater for you. God, just follow him. Serve him all the days of your life. And he has got a great future plan for you. And then you declare your commitment to help fulfill the blessing. We got you back, kids. We're here. We're not only your intercessors. If God shows us how we can assist and help in any way, we're here. We're in this together. We're going we're gonna to pass on the mantle to you. And we pray it's a double portion when it comes on you that you can walk in it. But you can know we're here. We're going to be faithful in our calling so that the mantle is pure and the mantle is, is righteous that comes on to you. You don't have to carry shame and you don't have to carry that. We, we're going to do our part. We've got your back. Hallelujah. So these, as you study the Old Testament, shows uh, the passing on the, of the blessing. Then you move into the New Testament and you see how it plays out in the New Testament. And when you look in the New Testament, the very first message that Jesus Christ presented was the message on the power of the blessing. 
I'm telling you, we got to get this, that it's so important to the heart of God that he's not only going to redeem us from our sin, wash our sins away and get us to heaven. No, he wants to curse off of us so that the blessing could be on us, that we can live in victory on earth for the years of our assignment here. And Jesus' first message was on the power of the blessing. If you remember, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the hunger and righteous, the, the, those that hunger and right, thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are them when men revile you and say all kinds of evil against you and persecute you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. Bless, 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 bless. His first message is about the blessing. And then when Jesus as rabbi, a teacher, is walking through this earth in a community and in a, in a culture where women and children did not have uh, the same place as men did, Jesus said, I didn't come here to put a stamp of approval on this culture. I'm going to bring the, uh, the culture of heaven here. And the Bible says that he took time to bless the children. Hallelujah. So there he is in a culture where children are looked at as annoyance and, 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 and move out of the way, get out of the way. No, Jesus says, this is the next generation and I'm going to put the blessing on them. And look what he did in Mark 10, 16. He took them up in his arms. There's that meaningful touch. Put his hands on them and he blessed them. He, what did he do to bless them? He spoke, I believe, number six over them. I believe he said, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and then give you peace. And what they would do at the end of that, then they would add personal things that they wanted God to see happen in that child's life. And I can see Jesus saying, he probably had a little, you know, little Isaiah there and he was like, you know, and I say unto you, you're going to be a great man of God and you're going to walk in the power of God and you're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And he looks at little Sarah over here and he looks at a little, you know, Tiffany over here. And what all those children, he starts speaking to them and speaking over their life. And let me tell you what, I guarantee you some of them became the great men and women of God that carried on the message of the gospel that brought the church to us even this day as they grew up saying, I received the blessing from Jesus and I know he's dead, but let me tell you what, he was raised from the dead, he's alive, his kingdom is to be expanded and because of the blessing on my life, I'm going to bless others that God has given me authority over. Hallelujah. And then to show you the importance of the blessing, the last picture, the very last thing we see of Jesus as he's rising up into the heavens at the Mount of Ascension, he looks down from the heavens going up into the clouds and he looks at his, his, his disciples and he blesses them. First thing he did is he comes on the scene preaching about the blessing. He's taking time to bless the children, violating cultures, cultural standards. And now, as he's floating up into the heavens, the Bible says the last thing he does is bless them. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you today, I believe it's Father God's heart that you and I come from under the curse, get the curse off of us, and get the blessing on us. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's time that we see this and we understand this and that we will go forward in the power of God, that He would do great and mighty things in us and through us like He did through the disciples. You remember He sent the 70 disciples out? He told them, these seminary trainees, He said, you know, I want you to go out. If you remember, 
remember what he said. He didn't give them the spiritual, the, you know, the four spiritual laws, nothing wrong with those, but he didn't give them those. He didn't check to see if they had a doctrine, and nothing wrong with having one, but he didn't check that. He didn't tell them to go out and do a church survey or census. What he did is he said, I want you to go and come up to a stranger's house and what? Knock on the door, and when they open the door, I want you to say, peace unto this house. And that is, uh, if you'll study in the Bible, so declaring peace unto a house means I bring the blessing of God. Let the shalom of God, the blessing of God, nothing broken, nothing miss, missing, be upon this house. I want God to bless this house. And, and if you remember what happened, when they got back, they were hysterical with joy. And, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. See, when they came and knocked on a house and they opened the door and they said, I bring the blessing of God. I speak the blessing of God over this house. That the demon activity of that house said, Woo! Oh no! Started manifesting. Said, if they receive this blessing, we gotta go. If they receive this blessing, we the curse gotta go. We gotta go. And they came back and they were saying, Man, we are hysterical. Love God. Even the demons, they started packing up and leaving. They were jumping out of windows. They were jumping out of chimneys. They were running out of the back door. They were running the chickens through the yard. The demons were getting out of here because of the power of the blessing. I tell you, I'm knocking on your temple's door today. I'm knocking on your house's door today. And if you'll open up your door unto God, he's got a servant here today who has a position of authority, of delegation. And I will say unto you, let the blessing of God be upon your house. Let the blessing of God be in your body. Let the blessing of God be in you. Let the shalom of God. If there's anything broken, let it be fixed. If there's anything mixed missing, let it be filled. Let the authority and the anointing of God manifest in your house. And every spirit of infirmity, and every spirit of bondage, and every spirit of lying, and every spirit of the enemy, go in the name of Jesus. Pack your bags, get out of here, jump out of the window, jump out of the back door. But you gotta go. The curse has gotta go because the blessing is coming. Hallelujah. They didn't understand the power of what they were releasing when they released the blessing of God. Heaven came down to those who needed it when the blessing came in. Those that needed to be delivered were delivered. Those that were healed, needed, that were sick, needed to be healed, were healed. See, the peace finds the brokenness and fixes it. The peace of God, the shalom of God finds the emptiness and fills it. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable and full of glory because when you release the power of the blessing, God meets the need. Praise God. And this supernatural blessing is invoked by speaking it aloud. You don't think a blessing, you speak a blessing. You don't think a blessing, it's okay to think on it, meditate on it, but you got to speak it. You got to speak it. Not until God, excuse me, said, let there be light. He thought light, but when he said light, he set the pattern. Not then till light manifests. And God is saying, I want the curse off of you. I love you so much. Heavenly Father, he says, I love you so much that I sent my only begotten son to go to that cross, to hang on that tree. All that he went through to hang on that tree to not only shed sinless blood so that you could spend eternity with me so that our relationship could be reconciled but that you could walk in the power of the blessing on earth that you could come from under the curse and 
come under the blessing. And I let him, and he chose to hang on a tree to do just that. Hallelujah. We're going to impart the blessing of God over your life today by the speaking of the Word of God over your life. I'm telling you, church, you've got to get this. I got bogged down in thinking, oh, I missed out here. With, with my father, I missed out there. Others I would hear, oh, I had everything you could imagine with my father. And then there were others that said, oh, it was kind of okay. I really didn't know him, but he was, he was cool, whatever. Whatever spectrum you're on, don't let that limit you. I was afraid of Father God when I got saved. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Father God, oh, it's thundering. The lightning may strike me because I had a bad thought. The lightning may strike me. That car, there's a car going to run a red light and T-bone me and kill me because I didn't pray enough today. And I lived in fear. But I got this revelation. I got this revelation. And it was Jesus who by the Holy Spirit says, I want to tell you, Tim, says, I want to show you what a good, good father we have. And nobody, even if you never knew your biological father, even if you grew up in an orphanage all your life, no one is excluded. Every one of us can call on him as our heavenly father. If we'll come and place our faith in his plan of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Every one of us. So all of us are without excuse. You can't, it's no more blame daddy or lack thereof. We all have the same good, good Father. He is good. And when I got this revelation, when I got this revelation, I threw, cast down all the walls that I had built up. And I was like that prodigal who ran home, not afraid. But he went home, not afraid, thinking, okay, I'll choose to be a servant. But instead of the father running out and scolding him, the father ran out and met him, embraced him, blessed him, put the blessing back on him, put the sandals on his feet and the ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf. For my son who was dead, he was out under the curses. He chose to rebel and go out under the curses, but he's chosen to come home. I'm putting the blessing back on him. Maybe you've been in rebellion. Maybe you've been in rebellion. Let me tell you what, Jesus said, Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you go into rebellion, God's not coming at you with a curse. You're choosing to go down the path of the curse. And there's head-on collisions and head-on traffic. The enemy's bringing fiery darts every way he can. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life because you're in the path of the curse through rebellion. But the good news is you don't have to stay there. You can repent. Hallelujah. You can repent right now. And you can say, God, I'm going to do what your son Jesus taught me, my elder brother, that whatever you say, that's what I'm going to say. Whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I'm going to go. You, want me to, you don't want me to hold on to unforgiveness? I forgive. You don't want me to hold on to resentment? I, I release them. You don't want me to hold on to this anger and let it fuel me into unrighteousness? Lord God, I receive your peace right now. 
Lord God, you want me to line up my tongue with truth and not lies. I will, I will, I will repent, God, for the lies that I've been telling, and I will line my tongue up with truth. Lord God, you want me to line my eyes up and my ears up that I take nothing ungodly into my body? God, I've lined my eyes, I line my ears up, and I line my mouth up to receive only that which is righteous. Lord God, you want me to rise up in authority rather than giving my authority away? Lord, I'm going I'm to walk away from that life of weakness and that life of excuses and that life of always blaming somebody and say, No, I am, I am the son or daughter of the Most High God. I am blessed with Abraham's blessing. I have the blessing of God on me, and I'm going to walk, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. You're the one that can choose, because if anybody's left God in his blessing, it's you. Because he said, with me, there's not even a shadow of turning with me. My shadow comes between me and light. When I'm standing between me and light, my shadow is there. There's something that's causing the casting. God said there's not even a shadow, nothing. You'll never find me walking away from you. God said you'll never. I'm a good, good daddy. There's not one hour, not one minute of one time of the day you're going to find me walking away from you. I don't even sleep nor slumber. He says I'm, I'm for you. I'm for you. So if there's any straying away, it would be our part, either through ignorance, either through rebellion, either through coercion of, of, of co cooperation with demonic spirits that are pretending to be angels of light. So what we got to do is stay in the Word, stay full of the Spirit of God and committed. I'm going to say what God says. And when I say what God says, I'm releasing the blessing to those who hear it. I'm releasing the power of God to those who hear it. I'm releasing the gospel to those who hear it. He said, herald the good news. Herald means speak it out. Speak it out. And I'm here giving you the good news. We got a good, good father. And he doesn't want you to live in the curse. He doesn't want you to live under the curse. He doesn't want you to live under the weight of your sin. His son Jesus shed his blood to take care of your sin and he hung on a cross to take care of that curse so that he can now get the blessing on you will you receive it will you receive it would you stand with me please hallelujah father god we just stand in your presence here this morning lord maybe there's some of us here that need to repent and lord we just take this this time here to just have a changing of our mind a changing of our mind and say you know what I've not been doing it the way you want me to do it, God. And whether it's through ignorance or whether it's through rebellion or whether it's through just the coercion of the angels of, uh, of darkness that come as angels of light, I recognize, God, that I've not been saying what I should be saying. I've I'm, I'm not been doing what I should be doing, but thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. That if I will believe that you're the son of the living God, God's raised you from the dead. If I believe, and I do believe, and if I'll confess that you're my Lord, <laughs> salvation is mine. You cleanse me. You wash my sin whiter than snow as though it never, ever, ever, ever even existed. Hallelujah. So I repent. Lord, that anger is not worth it. That unforgiveness is not worth it. That, that, that resentment's not worth it. Those lies are not worth it. That greed is not worth it. 
it's not worth it. That living in that marital uh, state that is not in union with what you've created is not worth it, Lord God, in that sexual prom promiscuity. Lord, I, I see these are things that you, you, show, you give us to do because it's for our good. It's a good lifestyle. You want us to be married, husband and wife, man to woman, Lord. So, Lord God, a lifestyle that is outside of your creative order, a union that is outside of your creative blessed order. Lord God, maybe even uh, friendships that are outside of, of, of your creative order, Lord God. That, that we think that we can change them, we can change them, we can change them, we can change them. But you said, good company is corrupted by bad, bad company, corrupts good character. So we've got to be so careful, Lord, to do it your way. So that we're in that place, Lord God, that we are walking and talking and living in the favor and the blessings of you. That we can not only enjoy your blessings, but we can, we can pass on the blessing to those around us. So forgive us, Lord. Just take this time. Make it serious. I'm telling you, just ask God's forgiveness. Oh, He's faithful and He's just. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to forgive you. You say, well, I need to kneel at the altar. Well, why aren't you here? You say, well, I want to kneel at my seat. Why aren't you kneeling at your seat? You say, well, I just need to sit or I need to stand. Do whatever, whatever you need to do. But make sure you come to Him today. And say, on this Father's Day, Lord, you, you provided everything for me. And I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive your forgiveness, Lord. I'm going to receive the cleansing of your blood. I'm going to receive it, Lord God. Wash me, wash me pure, white as snow. Lord, I turn my heart to you. I turn my mind to you. I turn my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, as your blood has cleansed us and our faith in your son, Jesus Christ, has put us in position as sons and daughters. Lord, I want to take the position of authority I have as a pastor, Lord, and I want to speak your blessing. And I want to release it over everyone who will receive it right now. Lord, there are those that are tuned in. They're watching all the way across the continent. They're watching in other continents, Lord God. They're watching around the world, and some of them watching right here nearby. But it doesn't matter, Lord God. I want to release the blessing to them as they'll receive it right now. And everyone in this congregation, I want to release it to you right now. And I want to release it by declaring the blessing over you as God instructed. So I say over you now, in the name of Jesus, the Lord bless you I say the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious yes grace gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may God give you peace shalom nothing broken nothing missing let the blessing drive out the sickness let the blessing drive out the pain let the blessing drive out the hindrance let the blessing drive out the bondage let the blessing drive out the hurt let the blessing drive out the hate 
Let the blessing drive out the brokenness. Let the blessing drive out the emptiness. Let the blessing drive out the physical setbacks. Let the blessing drive out the relational turmoil. Let me say and let the blessing bring in nothing broken, nothing missing. Bring in the healing power of God, the delivering power of God, the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Bring in a, a promotion and bring in the favor and bring in the power and bring in the glory and bring in the anointing that will cause every yoke to be broken and every burden to be lifted in the name of Jesus. I declare over you even now the shalom of God, the peace of God, that you will walk, you will talk, you will live in the fullness of all that God has for you, that you will have the fullness of His Spirit and the fullness of His love and the fullness of His power in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We serve a good, good daddy. A good, good father. Amen.